fall away from me. This song will be used as a witness against them. Conviction. So, to me, one of the important parts of good biblical-based Christian music is that it brings conviction. And that's a a vital part of of Christian music. It has to be biblical. Um, And it needs to bring correction. It needs to tell us how we can walk in our faith walk with Christ. So that's an important part of Christian music. And that's a whole subject I don't even want to go there. Very debatable about Christian music, good and bad and indifferent. So I'm not going to talk about that. Just going to say, my own personal desire is, uh, over the years, my wife and I have memorized many verses of Scripture by using songs. So I shared some of these uh, before with people, and uh, we teach them in our uh, prep class to the kids. So I just wanted to share a couple of those with you this morning um, And uh, if my voice upset you, sorry, apologize, but here we go. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So that's exactly what Psalm 103 says. And then Psalm 25 is a lot longer, but I'm not going to do the whole thing, but Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Um, Psalm 19, and this is one that we teach to the kids in prep. And I think it's important to teach these kinds of songs of our kids. Um, so it's Psalm 19, and, and it, uh, it goes verse 7, and then uh, we use verse 10 as a chorus, verse 8, verse 10 as a chorus, verse 9, verse 10 as a chorus, and then we end the verse 10 chorus with verse 11. So it goes like this. The law of the Lord is perfect, Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And then verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and a honeycomb. And there are other verses, you can look it up yourself. Um, and just use the same tune, yeah? All right, Psalm 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So, Proverbs 1.10. And I start out with the ending of the verses. Consent thou not, consent thou not, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Now, you mean... Notice that all these come out of the King James. Uh, uh, I tried it with the uh, NIV and it doesn't work. All right, amen. Um, so, and, and then uh, 
In Proverbs chapter 3 and chapter 8, there's a portion of Scripture, and we've uh, changed the words a little bit because it's talking about wisdom, but we put Lord in place of wisdom. And so um, in uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, it goes, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares with you. And um, chapter 8 is very much the same. And then... um, you know, there are modern-day songwriters um, who have written some uh, very powerful songs. I am kind of a Gaither music fan, so there's a lot of their music I like. Uh, Josh, just so you know. Um, and um, then uh, Dallas Holm wrote a song, and I'm not going to sing it, but uh, it's called rise again. And, and it has the gospel message in the song. And I truly believe that the Lord put this in his heart. Um, it's, so it goes, go ahead and drive the nails in my hands. Laugh at me where you stand. Go ahead, say it isn't me. The day will come when you will see. Because I'll rise again. There ain't no power on earth can hold me down. I'll rise again. Death can't keep me in the ground. And then it goes, go ahead, mock my name. I'll rise again. Go ahead, say I'm dead and gone. I'll rise again, and then I'm coming back to take my children, my people, home. Um, These are songs that I love and inspire. My wife will uh, tell you if you talk to her that um, in the mornings when I'm shower, I hope this isn't too private, um, in the morning when I shower, I, I just sing. I love to sing to the Lord. And so she's in working out, doing her stretches and exercises. And, and then I come out and she says, well, thank you for that concert. <laughs> I said, well, well, you want to consider it a concert, that's your problem. Um, anyway, so I like songs that teach faithfulness to God. So... Um, Psalm 119 says, hide God's word in our hearts that we might not sin against him. This is one of the greatest tools we have, is hiding God's word in our heart. Because I guarantee you, when you go through hard times, the Lord will bring those songs back to you. He will bring those psalms to you. Um, So, my wife and I were... Um, sitting at breakfast the other day and um, just, you know, chatting about all the wonderful things that are going on in our city and uh, and not really, but um, I was kind of grousing about this and that and the other thing, mentioning names and so on. And, and then after we finish eating breakfast in the morning, we get up and we have our Bible reading and prayer time, and so, um, well, after all this, we just happened to be in Psalm 37, which says, fret not, 
And you can look it up and read the rest of it, and it was just like a knife going into my heart. And, of course, then my wife, also known as the Holy Spirit, reminded me that uh, that might have been meant for me and us. So, um, but I, I do want to, uh, I want to go into this Psalm 73. And uh, I want to remind you that when I teach, I try and use a method I call hermeneutics. So hermeneutics is simply this. Observe what's being said. Who, what, when, where, why. And then interpret. What does this mean? And then apply. How can this be used in my life? So I'd like you to do that as we go through this 73rd Psalm. And I can just imagine in my mind, Asaph is saying, Okay, church, pick up your hymnals, turn to page 73. We're going to do this psalm. And so he starts off in verse 1, as I said, Surely the Lord is good to those, and he says Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And then, just down one verse, in verse 2, he goes into this dissertation. It's a complaint about the inequity. And I'd like to read that for you. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are plagued. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up the waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. So, what I observed in this is Asaph is sharing his personal testimony. So he said, I saw, I observed, I saw. And so that's the beginning. He's looking at something, and he's making a judgment on it based on what he saw. And that's kind of uh, the beginning of sin. Um, We're looking in 1 John uh, 2.16, and it says, Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, come not from the Father, but from the world. And then in uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, it says, When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable to gain wisdom. 
So she was looking at something and believing something that really wasn't based on truth. And I think we have a tendency maybe to fall into that trap. I know I do. I'll speak for myself personally. So when I read Psalm, it's kind of like Asaph is giving his personal uh, testimony showing us how easy it is for anyone who is a believer to take their eyes off of God and at times even become bitter and envious at those that are doing evil because they don't seem to be paying for it. You know, what does it cost the people that are doing destruction and those kind of things? And we look at that and it can just really be aggravating. Um, And I know I get caught in that trap all the time. Uh, Where's the justice? Well, they're screaming for justice, but I don't think they understand what they're really asking for because they don't want justice. If they can, because God's the one that gives justice. You start asking for justice and he gives you justice, you're going to say, hey, hey, I didn't want justice. Sorry. Um, So Hebrews 12, chapter uh, 12, 1 through 3 says, it's a reminder to us to fix our eyes on our example, who is Christ. So he was looking ahead to the joy that he was going to share, which gave him the strength to endure. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So right after saying how God was so good, Asaph starts talking about how he envies the sinner. Now, I I do believe that Asaph was uh, right in the things that he was seeing, because when I see that, I see people that are without hope, they're without Christ. So that totally makes sense in my mind, that what he was seeing in his mind was true. But he was was a believer, and um, so for him, it wasn't true. It shouldn't have brought envy. Um, So then he gets a little upset, and he starts wondering, well, is this life I'm living really worth it? I mean, look at these guys. They're doing all this evil and wicked, and all they seem to do is prosper, and um, well, they get arrested, but then they just get released. So is that a deterrent to crime? No. So here I'm living this righteous life, he says in verse 13 and 14. I've been living this good life. Has it really been worth it? He says, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. <laughs> Sorry, Asaph, you've really got it bad. Um, and then he, he says, 
in verse 15. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. So all of these up to this point were just thoughts. And he said, I'm glad I didn't speak out my thoughts because it would have done damage to those around me. And that's really how it is as Christians. When, when we see things going on that seem to be unjust, it's, it's okay to look at those things and have thoughts about those things, but we shouldn't speak out about it because then we're bringing other people into our own misery. And so Asaph acknowledged the fact, uh, and he probably had uh, memorized Proverbs 17.28, which says, uh, even a fool is thought wise if he, uh, I'm going to use my words, keeps his mouth shut and holds his tongue. So, um, you know, I think there's wisdom in that. You know, um, <laughs> so it is, it's, it's really important around our children how we speak. I know in, in growing up, the way my mom and dad talked had a big influence on me. Um, I won't say negative or positive, but it had an influence on me because I listened to what they were saying. And it still happens today. So be careful what we say in front of our children because that can be a thing that forms them, forms their lives in an early part, a stage of their life. Um, so it is important uh, that we speak truth to our children. Verse 11 tells us that it's foolish. It's the foolish who think that God doesn't hear and know all things. Um, we know that God has told us in Psalm 139, verse 2, that he perceives our thoughts from afar off. And Ephesians 1, 4 says, God knew everything about me before he created anything. To me, that is amazing. I mean, he knew he knew where I would be today. He knew where you would be today. He knew everything about us. He knows our thoughts from afar off. And I wish I could keep that in my mind all the time because it would keep me walking the straight and narrow more than I do, but uh, so easy to, as uh, Hebrews 12 talks about, so easy uh, to fall into that trap of uh, sin that so easily besets us. So in verses uh, 17 through 20, the psalmist has a change of attitude. And verse 17, to me, this is the pivotal verse. I was troubled deeply, finishing verse 16, until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. So when you start realizing their final destiny, then I think it's important um, for us to consider who were we 
before we came to Christ. What was our destiny? And God gave us grace and mercy. And he sent someone to talk to us, to to draw us. He sent the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And he drew us to himself. And we repented. Now, God had sent Jonah out to a town in Nineveh called Nineveh uh, to preach. And Jonah said, hmm, no, don't want to go there. Went the other direction. God took care of that, made a correction in his direction. And um, so then Jonah went into the city and he preached. And uh, the portion of Scripture says it takes three days to walk through the city. That wasn't a small town. That was a big city. And everyone was converted. Now you'd think Jonah would go, praise the Lord, everybody got saved. No, he got mad. But that's the power of God's word. And we need to give consideration to the fact that when evil is happening, we need to try and find a way to speak the truth of Christ into the lives of those people. And if nothing else, pray for them. Um, There are many avenues that the Lord is using right now to draw attention to himself in the midst of all this uh, commotion that's going on. And it isn't just in the city of Portland, it's worldwide. But God is using people to proclaim his word, to give Uh, information that if people were listening, they could seek the Lord and find him. He's promised us that. But then again, uh, they are hearing, but not receiving, but they won't have a leg to stand on then when they receive judgment. And they will receive judgment. We have to find peace in that truth. Um, So in uh, verses 21 through 22, Asaph says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. So he was, his heart was repentant and he saw God for who he was. He confessed his sin. And we need to get to that point in our own lives. You know, We're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ if we've received him as Savior. But that doesn't mean that we stopped sinning. And so 1 John 1, 9 tells us we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so not to be bummed out by the fact that we do wrong, but to rejoice in the fact that we have someone that we can go to who makes that correction. Because we have a representative, we have uh, a lawyer, if you will, who is standing by God saying, no, no, I paid the price for that. Jesus Christ is our advocate. That's the word for lawyer. He's up there defending us. Um, So in verses 23 uh, through 25, Asaph says, I've got a companion for life. And this is how he phrases it. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. 
and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. God is present with his children. He's always with us. And we have a hope that no one who is outside of Christ has. And we need to claim that promise that God has given us. I know Asaph didn't have the full story. You know, he didn't know that Jesus was going to come and be a Savior. But he did realize that there was, this wasn't the end of life that there is a life beyond the grave and that God was going to take him into glory. So the psalmist has great confidence in God. In verses 26 through 28, he says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have the sovereign Lord as my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And that's, that should be our heart. Our heart should be, rather than grousing and complaining, we should be telling the goodness of God. Um, there's a tendency, if we're speaking negative, to affect the people around us with negative, but there's also uh, the ability to speak positive and to affect those around us with positive. So Asaph finally came to a point in where his, his walk, that he clearly sees what the future holds for him. He can rejoice, and even better than that, he can share that with others. And I think we need to count it pure joy, as James tells us, when we face many trials, because the testing of our faith produces perseverance. If we don't have tests, we don't have a testimony. So we are going to have tests. And it's easy to get caught up in the craziness going on around us. But let me encourage you with this. Let me encourage you with uh, Psalm 146, verse 5 through 10. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in it, in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow but he thwarts the way of the wicked. And if we keep that in mind, that will give us the strength to make it through each day. But maybe you're out there today and you don't 
really have a personal relationship with this God that I've been talking about. And if you have never come to God the Father through Jesus Christ, his son, then you don't have that hope that God gave to Asaph in verse 24, that he would be taken up to glory. I'd, I'd encourage you to get a Bible, open to the book of Romans. Um, when I came to know Christ, this was what the man that led me to Christ used. Um, it was something called the Romans Road. Um, so uh, this was a great tool to use for me. It was exactly what I needed to hear. Uh, I was not a Christian. I was 35 years old when I came to Christ. But I had been in church enough to understand that the Bible was something that I could depend upon. So the man that led me to the Lord said, if I could show you from the Bible how you could have eternal life, what would you think about that? I said, oh, well, if you can show me from the Bible. So he took me to chapter 3. And chapter 3 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And that righteous means using Christ as our measurement. So Christ was perfect. So I'm not. And I had to realize that first. And then Romans 5.8 says, God proved his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So after this man had walked me down the Romans road, gotten me lost, showed me I needed a Savior, he said, wouldn't you like to pray and receive the Lord? I said, no. There are some things in my life I need to get straightened out first. And he said, no. And he took me to Romans 5.8, and that's my life first. He said, God doesn't want you to get your life straightened out and then come to him. He wants you to come to him and let him get your life straightened out. The light went on. Then if we continue on in, in uh, chapter 6, it said, the wages of sin, what we get paid for our sin is death. It's that eternal separation from God that Asaph was describing is going to happen to the wicked. Um, but, this is one of my favorite buts in the Bible. The gift. It's not something you can work for. It's something that's a, a gift. And it's given in love. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then we find in chapter 10 that Christ put an end to the law of Moses when he died on the cross, and that by faith we can call on him. If we just confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, three days after he was buried, I'd like to add, because that's the true gospel, is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Um, so I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin. I believe he was buried in the grave, and on the third day God raised him from the dead. And then it says, this is the thing that really turned the light on for me, because I had a name change. It went from John to whosoever. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this man that led me to the Lord said, that's your new name, John. 
You're whosoever now. Call on the name of the Lord. That's a promise from the Almighty God who created everything, heaven and earth and everything that's in it. And he cannot lie. If he said he will save you if you call on his name, he will. And we get grace. Grace grace is getting something that we don't deserve, while mercy is not getting something that we do deserve. So if you want to talk to someone about your eternal life, please give a call to the church, leave your name and number, and someone will make contact with you and give you the truth from God's word. God bless and thank you.